Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1.33 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Do you want to mention Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more? Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. All April, enjoy a free two-liter Coke product with the purchase of any two large pizzas. Order online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Stoffer recommendation is Mediterranean chicken. Every Wednesday from the NHL Network, we bring aboard Brian Lawton for Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes. They'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress and we welcome back to the show the president of the mike smith for the vesna trophy fan club the one and only longtime uh, nhl player uh later top agent with octagon general manager of the tampa bay lightning and now with the nhl network brian lawton hello brian how you doing I'm doing fantastic, Bob. I'm not the president of Mike Smith fan club. I, I do like Mike Smith. I think he's had a great year. What a story. And, uh, yes, I was I was trumpeting that a little bit, but he's earned every bit of that, in my opinion. Well, it's funny. We sit here and we look at the order of potential. Like uh, The Oilers have four free agents, uh, Mike Smith in goal, Tyson Berry and Adam Larson on defense, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins up front. Those guys are huge contributors to what's gone on here this season with the hockey club. That's an absolute given. And it's unbelievable. Like, I remember that it was, it was October 10th, Brian, and you tweeted out in the morning, I'm hearing Tyson Berry at Edmonton would be a great fit. And the fans were stoked when Edmonton got Berry at one year at 3.75. Totally made sense. But about two hours later, Edmonton signed Mike Smith. And hell hath no fury, like the day in which the owners brought Mike Smith back after what happened in the playoffs. Guess what? It's worked out on both fronts, both with Smith and Barry. Maybe Barry wasn't a surprise to you. Has Smith been a surprise to you? It's been a surprise to me with uh, the level that he's played at at 39 years old. When he got injured early on, I said, oh, gosh, you know, here it comes. You know, anytime you have a player, even a goaltender, that's in their late 30s, you know that it's kind of borrowed time. Uh, so I was very concerned early on, but he's come back, and he's been great. And not just – it's just that he looks so spry out there. You've been watching him the other night, hopping around, grabbing pucks. I mean, he is a third defenseman back there for the Edmonton Oilers. It's something that we probably don't talk enough about. It's one of the massive changes between Smith and Koskinen. Koskin doesn't handle the puck nearly as well. Smitty's all over the place. So uh, it's been a great fit, and and 
Dave Tippett obviously has a great relationship with him. That helps. Uh, it's just been a really, really nice story. I truly believe that Smitty definitely deserves it to be in the conversation for the Vesna. Now, you had him in Tampa Bay as a general manager. Uh, 916 save percentage the first year you were there. Second year dropped to 900. You know, uh, 14 and 13 wins in those two seasons. Got about 40 starts. I mean, you guys basically, he got brought in just before you got there to be the goalie of the future from the Dallas Stars. And then the year after you left, it kind of went sideways on him. Was there something specific, because uh, we have Sean Burke in town now of Montreal, uh, was there something specific with Sean Burke, the goalie whisperer that got Smith going in Arizona? Was it Dave Tim? What do you think it was? I think it was a combination of Sean working directly with him, and, and Sean was such a great competitor. He was such an in-your-face guy for a goaltender in particular. Sean was one of the, really one of the, the best leaders that I've ever come across as a goaltender. Generally, you know, you want those guys to stop the puck and you'll get your leadership somewhere else. Occasionally it happens. I think Berkey was able to give Smitty a little bit of that to settle him down. Sometimes Smitty could be a little too cool for school uh, when he was with us, but uh, specifically the performance that changed when he was with us was due to a concussion he suffered against the Philadelphia Flyers. And it just took Smitty you know, really a year, year and a half to fully recover from that. But up until that point, uh, Mike Smith had been lights out for us. It was incredible how good he played. I felt horrible for him because you just, you know, you just don't know when a guy gets concussed how long it takes before they get back to normal. But uh, I think that along, that's how he kind of went a little bit sideways. Sean Burke definitely helped him in a big way. And I think Dave Tippett also is one of those guys that can, sit down with a Mike Smith. He was in Dallas when Smitty was there, so he knew him. But he was able to sit down and just say, look it, I know you're a great puck handler. I know you love to play the puck. Just tone it down a little bit. And when Smitty does that, he's incredibly effective. Brian Lott joining us. Brian, uh, at the start of the 2019-20 season, you went on the NHL Network and said the Oilers were going to make the playoffs. And people were like, what? This year you had Edmonton competing for top spot in the Canadian division. In the since January the 29th, I don't know if you saw the tweet yesterday that I put out. Um, so going into last night's action, and Carolina won, so they might have moved ahead of Edmonton for points percentage wise. But the Oilers had the third best points percentage in the league. Colorado and Vegas were one two. Edmonton was third at seven fourteen points percentage, twenty four nine and two over a thirty five game stretch. Third in the entire NHL. Remember, Colorado and Vegas. And you, you watch those games as part of the NHL Network. They're playing against the three Cali teams that are all rebuilding. Arizona, who's probably rebuilding. Uh, Carolina, you know, they're, and, and the Islanders, well, there's some interesting things going on in the divisions those two teams are in as well. Uh, but the bottom line here is Edmonton's record for 35 games has been one of the five best in the entire National Hockey League. What does that mean? Um, I, I make a lot of calls like this and I get a lot of grief. The latest one I'm getting a lot of grief on, I have been for a month and a half, is the Dallas Stars will make the playoffs. And a lot of that stuff I do analytically before the season starts. And in Edmonton's case, I had them compete. I, I, I actually was truly embarrassed 
at the beginning of the year because I said Montreal, at best, will compete for the fourth spot in the North Division and probably would even be on the outside if Vancouver had had a more normal year, even though uh, in all transparency, it's, uh, that race isn't quite over yet, uh, yeah. but Vancouver would have to be amazing you know, to still catch them. Calgary, I think it's too late for. Man just has so many games in hand that there is a possibility there. Right. But in any event, I, I was really embarrassed because Montreal started off so great, and I, and I was pretty firm on it. And it's just based on analytics. It's not emotional for me. Dallas Stars were the third best team in the Central this year. Florida's risen up and had a great year. And Dallas had everything go wrong that could possibly go wrong. In Montreal's case, they had an incredible start, but they really couldn't sustain it. And that's been the difference. In Edmonton's case, just when I looked at their team, uh, it's just what the numbers said. That's all it is for me. I'm friends with Dave Tippett and Ken Holland. I think they're both terrific guys, but I'm friends with people that manage or coach almost all the teams. So it's not that. It may sound like that for this radio show, but that's not how I do it at all. And uh, it's pretty tried and true um, as far as the metrics I use, and and that's really it. So no more to it than that. I'd like to know what you use because I got to tell you, I had Montreal competing. Like I, I, you know, I thought, hey, the Oilers they got a chance to be in the top four. I thought the Canadians had dramatically improved their depth. I like their defense. I like their goaltending one-two punch. The Leafs were deep. We knew they could score. Um, Winnipeg. To be honest, I had Winnipeg on the outside looking in. And then they flip, and part of it was just because of Patrick Liney and the negative energy in that. And then they turn around and flipped him for Dubois. And to be honest with you, Dubois has not impacted things the way I thought he would in Winnipeg. But Hellebuck has, you know, gotten close to the level now that he was at last year. So I maybe underestimated Winnipeg a bit at the start, but not once they made that trade. But I, I just didn't see. I'll be honest. I didn't see Edmonton when the Oilers were three and six. Brian, we had people, only a couple guys, because most of the listeners are huge Oilers supporters. But we had a couple people text the show and say, "You guys are losers," and Connor McDavid should demand a trade out of Edmonton at three and six. Well, you know, <laughs> since that time, the team goes twenty-four nine and two. That's a thirty. That's half a year in which they've been the third best team in the league and clearly the best team in the uh, Canadian division. I mean, and Mark Spector said it yesterday, Brian. He said, you know, if the Oilers had one of the five worst records in the league over a 35-game stretch, you'd be getting hammered. You'd be saying, you guys aren't any good. So maybe they're good. Maybe they got a pretty good team. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it, Bob, and I never really – I never say publicly how I – what I use, there's a million different machinations, and you got a ton huh. of analytics people in Edmonton. I love that. But at the end of the day, it's really important to figure out what is meaningful versus measurable because now we're doing a really great job with measuring everything. But uh, for all the analytics guys out there, stick with that rational thought, and you'll be on your way. That's all I can say. But it, it's fun to look at it. I like to look at things from the eye test, having been a player, been involved in scouting, obviously managing players, but I also like to look at the numbers analytically. And somewhere in between is generally the right answer. Well, it's interesting because when you're an agent, and and I know you were a little different, you weren't one of those guys that was recruiting kids at 14 because that's what happens out west here because of the WHL Bantam draft. 
But do you get to know the player at a younger age? Do you know more what you have as a result of being in that business as an agent? You do. You absolutely do. But um, that was a part that was coming in the agent world. I got out of the agent world in 2008. Um, I wasn't looking forward to that part. So, you know, I was looking to go and manage a club at that time. But, um, you know, it's, there's definitely advantages to it. Uh, knowing players and knowing who they are. And, you know, Eric Johnson was a kid. I, I didn't actually end up recruiting him, but I knew him from 14 years old. Strengths and weaknesses. So that's a fascinating part of the business. Absolutely. I want to, you know what, at the start of the year, all oh, the numbers in the Canadian division, there's all the scoring and nobody plays defense. It's a soft division. I'm looking at the East, Okay. The Flyers have given up 162 goals against in 45 games. They've got a minus 34 goal differential. They won three of their last 10. The Devils, a heavy analytics-driven organization, have won one of their last 11 games. They've won just four games at home all year. I know it doesn't matter, but four of 24 games at home. They're minus 42 in goal differential. And you know what? Buffalo might pass them. There's a chance Buffalo could pass the Devils in the final 10 games. Buffalo's been bad all year. Is the East actually the weakest? I mean, you watch a lot of that uh, division. Is that? I know they got some terrific teams there, Washington, the Islanders, Pittsburgh, Boston, but is the East maybe the weakest division in the league? I don't know if it's the weakest because the strength of the top four is good. You know, And we don't even know who's going to win that division, just for the record. I mean, Boston is four points behind Washington, who's tied with the Islanders for first, with Pittsburgh one point behind them, and Boston has two games in hand at 58 points to 62. So if they won their two games in theory, they'd be tied for first overall in that division. They'd actually be ahead on points percentage. So uh, that strength carries that division. It gets pretty weak at the end. I would take exception to your comment. I know New Jersey's supposed to be an analytics team, but New Jersey had a great analytics person. He now works in Florida. And if people haven't noticed, he's doing a pretty amazing job. He's a good friend of mine, Sonny Mehta. And uh, it makes a difference who you have in your analytics department. I know there's some ties there to Edmonton. I just think that it comes back to measurable and meaningful I don't consider New Jersey to be a highly analytical team, to be honest with you. Really? Well, Tyler Dello, as you I know, who used, used to work for Edmonton. Is I know. You know who's there. All right. Uh, let's move. I mean, Florida's an interest. By the way, is Dreger going to end up being a free agent, or should I be asking Jerry Johansson that question? Well, that, that was a call I made a while ago. I said, don't be surprised when Spencer Knight signs that he plays for Florida this year. And everybody's like, what are you talking about? They've got Chris Drieger and Bobrovsky. He'll never play this year. Well, of course, he played last night and won. Um, there, there's possibilities for, for Drieger in terms of staying with Florida. I think Florida's trying to work through some metrics of whether or not, you know, what they do with Knight next year. Uh, but at the end of the day, Bobrovsky will be there. Drieger's kind of expendable. I think they'd like to keep him if he'd sign a reasonable deal. But you just can't have too much in your goaltending when you have ten million in one guy. Right. And it's hard to balance that out with another guy like Trigger, who's played well enough to potentially be at least, you know, a, a, a secondary starter. So 
that's a that's a fascinating situation. Ron Francis will get the first kick at solving that, I would imagine, with some conversations now. And if that doesn't happen, I I wouldn't be surprised if he were moved. Based upon your viewings, who's better, Dreger in Florida or Elvis Merzlikins in Columbus? Different guys. I like both of them. I'd be comfortable with either one. I'm not trying to punt on it. I probably would go after Olmark ahead of either one of those guys, to be honest really? with you. Really? Hmm. Yeah. 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 I just don't, don't sleep on Olmark just because he's in an awful organization. His individual play was exceptional when he played. He has been injured, which is cause for concern. But uh, he, he's, he's, I would have him slightly ahead of both those two guys. One of these days, Brian, you'll have to share with us the Cadbury secret to predicting uh, team success at the start of the year. We appreciate it as always having you on the show, and thank you for re- thank you for readjusting your schedule to appease the big personality that is John Shannon. Of course, anything for Shannon. There we go. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Brian. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. It's 149 in Edmonton. We're going to take about a 90-second timeout and come back with a very memorable this day in Oilers history. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good player. He's having an unbelievable year. Frank Cervelli right in about that uh, from TSN yesterday. All right, uh, to this day in Oilers history, this is one of my favorite Oilers memories of all time. I can remember exactly where I was. It is brought to you by Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. It's an audio cut for you. Trying to pick it up in the corner. Comes loose to Curry. Curry gets it ahead to Gretzky. Gretzky going in. Sooner trying to get back. Gretzky with a shot. He scores! It's a shorthanded goal by Gretzky. And boy, oh boy, when he was going down the wing, you could see everything turning. And he knew he had time. And if you're looking for a well-placed shot... That is the uh, late, great Donnie Whitman. Uh, Don Whitman along with Scotty Bowman with the call. Wayne Gretzky, 33 years of the go today, scoring a shorthand goal. 7.54 of overtime to give the Oilers a 5-4 win at the Olympic Saddle Dome in Calgary. Game 2, the Smite Division final. It was just the third shorthanded overtime winner in Stanley Cup history. Of course, Fernando Pisani uh, got an overtime winner in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup final in 06. I said I knew exactly where I was. Uh, we were playing Thursday night hockey that night, and we're listening to Rod Phillips call the game. It goes in overtime, and we were sitting in the uh, dressing room after uh, after playing, and I'll be honest, I, I love Mark Messier, and he took the penalty, and I was not very happy. And then you had a bunch of guys jumping around after Gretzky fired that home, and Rod had a killer call as well. And Wow, one of the greatest Oiler moments of all time, no question about it. Maybe the biggest goal that Wayne Gretzky ever scored. Maybe the biggest overtime goal in Edmonton Oilers history. This day in Oilers history, 33 years ago today. We maybe stayed at the parking lot out at Confederate, when you could still do those sort of things at the Confederation Arena. <laughs> hammered a couple more back after, but uh, oh, good times. And I only had one chin back then, which made it even better. What do we got shaking? Uh, well, uh, we will tell you that tomorrow we've got a loaded show for you. Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque. Is, is there something special about tomorrow, Brendan Escott, that I need to know about? What, is there, what's going on tomorrow? 
We Well, tomorrow's Earth Day, Bob, and as such, uh, 6.30 Chad will be weaving uh, some sort of Earth component, Earth Day component through all of the programming. Does, so. does, does a former member of the Green Party count? I would I would suggest that that should work just fine. As long as he can speak to sustainability uh, in, in the way that it relates to hockey. Absolutely. All right. All right. We're referring to George LaRock. We've got Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication solar. Louis DeBrusque, who is working tonight's Oilers television broadcast with Jack Michaels. I know uh, Jason Strudwick and myself will be on during the intermissions as well. Uh, Cam Moon and myself will have the call of tonight's game along with uh, – Rob Brown and Reed Wilkins on the Oilers Radio Network. The face-off show begins at 6 tonight. The puck drop begins at 8. Um, today, after Global News Weather Traffic Update with uh, Eileen Bell, Jalen and I will have the 6.30 chat afternoons. Former Minnesota police officer Derek Chauvin has been found guilty of second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and manslaughter in the death of George Floyd. What sentencing considerations could he be facing, and how is the city doing after the verdict? NBC News reporter Janelle Klein uh, will join Jalen Nye live from Minneapolis after uh, a global news weather traffic update again with Eileen Bell. I'll rejoin you at 6. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.